This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online show. It's our special 4th of July holiday week edition. As I hope everybody had a happy, safe 4th of July, whether you're spinning on the water or here in Lincoln or Omaha, wherever you may be listening to the show, uh, always a great holiday. I love the 4th of July, guys. It, it, to me, especially in the job that we have, 4th of July is the pinnacle of holidays because usually there's nothing going on really for about two holidays, Memorial Day and 4th of July. You know what's funny, though, is that the trend of kids like picking holidays to announce their commitments like it seems to be happening more and more. So Nate, enjoy these uh, the last few Fourth of July as well you can, because I have a feeling you're going to start having to cover commits uh, well, on Fireworks Day. I will never forget the 48-hour period a couple years ago um, when Lorenzo Stewart, Monte Harrison, and Freedom Akimuladun, uh, coincidentally, <laughs> ironically, whatever you want to say, committed on. Within you know, within a forty-eight hour period around the Fourth of July, and I was on vacation. This was before I had kids, so you know, we're I was enjoying myself. Yeah, you had a pretty good six-pack going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, and so I have to cover cover some commitments, and and usually it's just one. It's like okay, well, this kid is announcing his decision on a holiday. That's that's his that's his right. You know, that's way to go and. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but no, it turned out to be three commitments. And when you're with you're with people, and you're like, uh, sorry, I got to step away and and do this. Yeah. And they're like, what? What are you doing? And then it's like two more times you have to step away and do mm. this. So then it's really it's quite interesting. But hopefully, uh, fingers crossed. This uh, you know. Um, no more holidays going forward. Andrew Ward on Christmas this year might have stolen the cake. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wrote, I wrote that, About that. I wrote that commitment story at the at the dinner table. <laughs> oddly enough, before we left, before I left for Nashville for the bull trip. It's We've a good got, thing we all have understanding wives and yes. family members. Hashtag rivals wives, as Nate's <laughs> wife likes yep. to say all the time. But you know, guys, it's also that time of year. The preseason magazines have been out, but the big one, Phil Steele. Um, you know, for the hardcores, that has always been regarded as the magazine. Uh, latest prediction has Nebraska going eight and four, and that's kind of where I—that's where I sit right now. I mean, I, I think this team could squeeze out nine if everything fell their way, and they won at Oregon and could find a way to win a game against a team like Wisconsin or you know someone of that caliber. Uh, but you know it's interesting just to read that because we've seen everything from six and six to eight and four. I haven't really seen any nine and three predictions out there, um, but you get the sense most people think this is anywhere from a six to eight win team uh, with Phil Stills eight and four being the latest. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I think eight and four is probably. Uh, pretty realistic. Uh, I mean, the, the six and seven win teams, those are put out by guys that don't, they look at a roster and they see, you know, they don't have a returning starter, a quarterback, uh, you know, they have and they look at the defense. Tanner yeah. Lee, Tulane stats. Yeah, and, and, and they make ignorant decisions uh, or assumptions and, and put it at six or seven wins, thinking this is going to be a step back. Uh, I don't see it that way. Anyone else has actually seen this team during spring ball, been around the team, you know, read stories about the team, actually done research, will tell you that there's a lot more positivity and optimism 
surrounding what this season could be than what you know other people are giving it credit for. And I think Phil Steele is a little bit more on track now. To get better than eight and four, there's going to be a lot that needs to go right for Nebraska. Like you said, I mean, they're going to have to go to Oregon and win, and then they're going to have to hold their own and then some in the back end of that schedule, starting with Wisconsin at home. I mean, that that's going to be, in my opinion, the pivotal swing game that will determine what the 2017 season is for Nebraska. I mean, if they win that game, obviously beating Ohio State, I mean, that's that's going to be a monumental challenge. But if you beat Wisconsin and end up splitting, you know, that 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 two-game stretch uh, with Wisconsin-Ohio State, then you're setting yourself up for a lot more, you know, realistic chances of, you know, beating Northwestern at home, going to Minnesota and winning potentially going to Penn State and winning and then, you know, uh, holding turf at Iowa. So, I mean, there, there's a, the, it's a lot, an unknown there's, factor. Yeah, there, there's a lot that rides on what this season is going to be once, you know, the meat of that Big Ten conference schedule gets underway. And and I've got to give props to Phil Steele on, on the actual work and research that he does because there's another publication out there that had Zach Darlington uh, projected as the we will starting. not name that and that guy either. that guy the fact that I don't even want to say his name no. either. I don't even know no. who he is I mean he had like less than a thousand Twitter followers so we're not going to give some troll the, the pleasure to gain a couple followers um, off a terrible terrible story where yeah Zach Darlington is a starter I mean what the I mean, hell are you doing because he looked at a, a roster and said this is the only guy that's thrown a pass yeah. on the, and on he the got roster. roasted yeah. he got oh, just yeah. destroyed. He destroyed and then the best part was that he said that Nebraska didn't replace recruit any quarterbacks <laughs> okay yeah, the guy has no idea what he's talking about it completely ruins any credibility that that publication has or ever did have in the first place but so props to Phil Steele for actually doing work and grinding and and learning about each and every team that he writes about um, and and I, again, I've got to kind of agree with him. I think that eight and four mark is is pretty realistic. However, I do think that that Nebraska could very well go to Oregon and, and win that game. But I agree. also agree with Robin that that Wisconsin game is a real pivotal game in, in this upcoming season and and will most, most likely kind of decide who is going to be representing the West in the Big, T- in the Big Ten title game, in I, my opinion. I think when you look at the schedule, I, I see six games right now that Nebraska will be decisive favorites in. Arkansas State, Northern Illinois, Rutgers, Illinois. Those are double-digit favorite spreads right there. Um, Illinois on the road, maybe less than 10, but I still think Nebraska is a favorite. At Purdue, they're going to be really bad this year. Um, A big transition year. They do have their quarterback back, uh, but I do believe Nebraska will be a favorite at Minnesota as well. Uh, I'm not a big believer in this P.J. Fleck thing. I think it's going to be a major transition year. Those six games to me are games Nebraska should win, and I think they will win. I think there's six games on this schedule, though, that are you know swing games. There's going to be two that they're huge dogs in, Ohio State, Penn State. I think nobody's going to disagree with that. Uh, but the Oregon game, the Wisconsin game, the Northwestern game, the Iowa game, those are the four games that kind of decide if this is going to be um, whether it's a 7-5 and five to a 9-3 and three type of year. Yeah, I mean, three of those games are at home, too. And that, that's a huge deal because we talk about you know, how difficult the back end of the schedule is. Uh, maybe the three biggest swing games on this schedule. Um, like Wisconsin, said, Northwestern, If they Iowa. take care of business against the games that you mentioned that they should win, and I have no reason to believe that they won't, and they beat Wisconsin, beat Northwestern, beat Iowa, and then find a way to beat Minnesota – I mean, you're looking at a really, really good season right there. So, I mean, there's so much that, uh, like I said, though, 
that Wisconsin game. If you lose that and then get, you know, coming, you know, licking your wounds going into Ohio State, then you're really uh, not setting yourself up in a, in a good spot uh, for the back end of that. Well, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Penn State are all 10-plus win teams right now. I mean, in, on the project, projections. Mm, projections. People think Ohio State is going to go 11-1, 12-0. Wisconsin's a 10-2 and to a, even a 12-0 team mm-hmm. right now. And Penn State's a 10-2 to an 11-1 team right and now. And having that game in mid-November – uh, who knows when the kickoff is going to be for that? But I mean, if there's let's there, hope it's not yeah, night. If that's a night game, that's going to be absolutely brutal. Uh, I mean, I, you got to wonder just kind of what the injury situation is going to be for Nebraska at that point. So, I mean, there's just it, there's too many unknowns to think that Nebraska will be remotely close to you know a touchdown dog in that. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Well, <clears throat> recruiting guy comment here here we go, here we go. Um, I think from a recruiting standpoint now that now that Riley is you know at this point in his career where the majority of his roster is made up of his own players I think it's important for them to hit that at least hit that nine win mark uh, or a respectable eight and four, I or mean. yeah, I mean, or yeah, I mean, I think they would be okay if if you know if they played Ohio State really well, uh, or in, and showed well against them, or or had you know had some close games in in a, in a loss or two that they that they may have. Um, but I, I think it's very important this year to show that they're on the right track to the recruits because so far they've been they've been doing an excellent job of kind of selling these guys, um, you know, the a vision of the future. Right. And, and and telling them, you know, okay, this is this is what we see happening with the program, and, and this is why we need you, is because uh, we're we're on this track, and this is where we're trending, and and we need you to help us get us, you know, help get us to where we want to be, and uh, and I think that this year is is the year where Riley's kind of on the clock, so to speak, since it is the majority of his roster, since he does have his own quarterback and and new defensive coordinator, so on and so forth. So um, no doubt that's that. That's important too. Well, we, we've got a full show on tap here. Uh, in our next two segments, we've done a special series on the Red Sea Scrolls where we voted for our all RSS teams, meaning the best Husker players at each position of all time. We polled our users on Husker Online. It's a pretty interesting data. Um, and, and we're going to talk about that here in our next couple segments. And then as we close the show, we always will talk recruiting. Uh, Nate Klaus will give us a state of the union on where things are at with Nebraska's offensive board and their defensive board. That's all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show as we are edging closer to the start of fall camp. Nebraska less than a month away as the Huskers will open up camp on July 30th, a Sunday. Um, and, you know, it's, it's crazy. With the elimination of two-a-days, it actually makes more practice time. So you can make a case it's actually more dangerous um, to eliminate two days because you still have 29 practices, which means now you will practice for 29 days versus maybe 24 when you had five two days in there. But that's a whole other story. Uh, meanwhile, on the Red Sea Scrolls and Rivals the last few weeks, we've done a series uh, where we've called it our All RSS Team, where we asked you, our users on HuskerOnline.com and the Red Sea Scrolls message board, um, who are your favorite Huskers of all time at each position? And you know, for the most part, it's been pretty much down the middle uh, what you would expect, Robin um, and Nate, as we, we talk about these choices. Uh, but there have been some surprises. Uh, we're talking offense here. 
Um, let's first start with quarterback, Robin. Who are, who are our three quarterbacks? Well, uh, as you could expect, Tommy Frazier was the uh, first and foremost winner uh, by a pretty convincing margin. Uh, I think he got 972 of the total votes, which equated about 46.5% of the total voting. So uh, consensus for what is arguably the greatest college football quarterback of all time, no surprise there. Here's where it got a little dicey, though, um, was the, 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 the voting after that. Eric Crouch ended up getting number two with uh, 344 votes, which equated about 16. The guy won the Heisman. Yeah, but you know he beat out Turner Gill, and then there were a lot of people that you remember, guys like Jerry Taggy and uh, the, the likes. And so, what's been interesting about this whole deal is the generation gaps. <laughs> there are people that fondly remember the glory days of you know the the early Osborne eras and the Devaney eras. That there's a big portion of people you know on our message board that weren't even alive or, you know, a, a decade removed from being alive uh, that, you know, have no perspective of that. And so that's kind of what's been interesting is the old uh, guys really come out. For right. And, you know, that's good, though. That's that's the whole point of this thing is to create debate and uh, get people talking about, you know, uh, you know, who they think is their, their respective best players. But, um, you know, so kind of par for the course, a little bit for quarterback, but definitely uh, started things off with a little bit of, uh, you know, back and forth. Well, then on a running back, um, I mean, obvious guys like Mike Rogier, but th- there was a little intrigue of how things played at running back. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the, the big one there was, you know, Lawrence Phillips. I mean, he was a guy that if you remember a couple summers ago, we did our Mount Rushmore series where we picked the... People you know, were irate about yeah, that. Yeah, we picked the best players um, at each position, and we left Lawrence Phillips off. And our reasoning for that was... You know, we don't think that he is a guy that, you know, embodies everything that, you know, is the greatest representation of Nebraska football. Would well, you have a statue of him in, the, in well, front of the yeah. Exactly. Would you put a Lawrence Phillips statue outside of Memorial Stadium? That's kind of our justification. And, uh, but clearly fans felt differently when it comes to just voting for the best football player the best running back of all time because Lawrence Phillips won it. He, he over Mike Rozier, over over Amon Green, over Heisman Trophy Mike Rozier with 937 votes. You know, 32 and a half percent of the votes, and he beat Mike Rozier who had 828 votes, 28 um, percent. And then Amon Green came in third with 674 votes. So, uh, you know, it's one of those positions that's absolutely loaded. You know, getting that list down to 10 was a little difficult, but um, yeah, that that was definitely kind of the first bit of uh, intrigue. There was. Um, you know, the fans, obviously, you know, despite all his transge- transgressions and issues off the field, still remember Lawrence Phillips fondly for being, you know, arguably one of the most dominant running backs of the mid-90s. You're listening to the Husker Online Show as we talk about our all RSS teams and how that played out. And um, Bobby Reynolds was another guy, you know, people don't really remember him because he played yeah. in the 50s. Um, but or the 40s, 40s or 50s, but you know, he had every rushing record until Rozier. He finished third in the Heisman, um, and he's a guy I made a strong case for. I mean, he, a lot of one of his records for points per game actually stood until Reggie Bush broke it. Um, that's how long a Bobby Reynolds record stood. And after Rozier, I, I believe he's the second highest Heisman finishing running back um, at Nebraska. I don't know if they've had a guy that's finished. You know, he's a sophomore and he finished third. Um, so yeah, there was it was fun to see uh, fullback two Robin. Um, we did a fullback one because there is a lot of fullback history. Um, no surprise, you, you had notable names like the Makovicas and Schlesinger and yeah. other guys like that on the list. Yeah, Schlesinger ended up winning it. Uh, got seven hundred eighty-five votes. 
Um, you know, obviously, when when you score two touchdowns in a national championship game, people are going to remember that. Well, and then you play that long in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, he definitely had an NFL career, six round pick, uh, played twelve seasons, uh, all with Detroit. So uh, definitely well deserved. And then Tom Rathman, that, that was kind of a controversial deal. I know there were some people that um, were kind of dismayed that people weren't voting Tom Rathman the far and away consensus number one. Uh, not only for his NFL career, but uh, I mean, he was legitimate. You know, I mean. All conference, all American type player. He won the hundred meter in high school, I believe, too. I mean, yeah, he, he was a sprinter that played fullback. I mean, he was an athlete. Yeah, I mean, and people, you know, there's a lot of people that consider him the greatest fullback that ever played in Nebraska. So for him to get number two uh, behind Schlesinger, you know, definitely uh, caused some debate. And then Joel Makovica, uh, he came in third with 629 votes. So um, you know, there was definitely some more deserving uh, players on that list. But you know, fullback's kind of one of those interesting positions too that. Uh, it's disappearing more and it took more about in the a modern -year, game. It took about a 10-year break Right, here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, one guy that also got a lot of votes, didn't play too long ago, Andy Janovich. Uh, he was definitely in the running. I think he was in the top five when all was said and done, but uh, you know, didn't didn't make the final cut. But, you know, it just shows the fullback is still still there if you use him right. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show uh, as we discuss our all-RSS teams. I thought receiver, too, was one of the harder ones. Uh, because after Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Rogers and then Irving Fryer, I mean, those to me, those are the two best guys. I mean, Irving Fryer, I believe, is the number one NFL draft pick, and yeah. Rogers won a Heisman. Um, those two guys, clear one, two. But that third spot was pretty interesting yeah. to see how that would play yeah, out. Yeah, this one was definitely interesting. It, it ended up being Jordan Westerkamp with 279 votes. And to put that in perspective, Johnny Rogers got 902 uh, so, I mean, there was a pretty big disparity, and Irving Fryer got 870. So, Rodgers barely edged Fryer uh, for that number one spot. And then you're talking about almost a, a five or 600 vote drop for that number three spot. Jordan Westerkamp ended up getting it, uh, but there were some guys that, you know, definitely pushed him. Uh, Maurice Purify, uh, Nate Swift was another guy that got uh, a lot of praise. Um, and, you know, there's some other guys that probably should have got a little bit more attention. You know, uh, Matt Davison, um, I don't know how many votes he got, but he was definitely in the running. Uh, but, yeah, it was that ended up being Jordan Westerkamp, who you got to wonder, if he was able to stay healthy last year, what could have been? I mean, he probably would have broken all of Rodgers' career records. I think he was five yards shy of breaking his career receiving record. Um, you know, he's number three all time. Uh, or yeah, just two yards shy of passing Nate Swift for number three all time, and five behind Roger for number two. So I mean, I mean, what could have been had he been able to stay healthy? Uh, he probably would have etched himself as one of the most productive receivers in school history. All right, we're up against it here, Robin. But uh, fire through the tight ends. Who are our three tight ends? All right, tight ends. I uh, know Matt. Or sorry, uh, Johnny Mitchell was number one. Former first round draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Junior Miller was number two. Matt Harrion number three. And that, yeah, that was an interesting one. But then on the offensive line. I mean, you had some real, you know, loaded positions, particularly center and guard. Uh, Dave Remington anchoring down that center spot, but yet Outland winners galore on that O line. Yeah, a lot difficult, to, more difficult to choose from. You know, it's funny because tackle seemed to be a little bit more. difficult. That's the hardest one because there really haven't been great true tackles. And here. you wouldn't think that, but you know, you go through the list of names. I mean, they're just not the the dominating presence as there are with the interior linemen. I'm um, just going through the. The list here, obviously, Zach Wiegert was the clear uh, winner. Former Allen Trophy yeah, winner. winner of that. But uh, after that, it was Rob Zadiska, who, you know, really, when you look at his football resume, didn't do a whole had lot. A, well, he had a good NFL career. He played in the NFL for a few years, right? Yeah, a few years. But I'm just saying, like, he, you know, he was second team, all big eight, 
You know, I mean, that, that that was kind of his biggest college accolade. So uh, he did just as much uh, in the classroom as he did on the field. But obviously a great player, but um, just kind of shows you the, the selection. And then third, Richie Incognito. <laughs> you know, I mean, people hated him, and, you know, he's one of the most uh, polarizing players out there. But, you know, people – he got 318 votes, which made up almost 12% of the voting. Yeah, I, I just think people have a hard time giving, like, a Light in Mirtha or a Carl Nix. I mean, Jeremiah yeah. Searles – because in their era, they didn't really win anything big. Well, and the best ones, you know, that probably had much bigger accolades are guys that played a long time ago. Ed Weir, Forrest Bame, yep. Doug Glazer. Ed Weir should have been on there. Yeah, I mean, I guess Bob Newton. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of big-time names that just played too long ago, and that's where this generation gap came into play. And Ed Weir, to me, is one of the ten greatest players in this program's history. And, you know, I don't want to say it's a shame. It's a fun vote. I'm not going to sit yeah, here yeah, and yeah. take myself it's... this seriously. But Ed Weir... If you really, really study the history, like he should have been on there, Nate. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think that Ed Weir, you know, and guys like Bobby Reynolds, um, you know, are, are players that if you really study the history and look at things as a whole, um, you know, d- deserve to be on the list and probably deserve to be in the top one or two of, of a lot of these different categories. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully that this this poll and you know the the reactions that we're getting on the board will spark some of these you know darn millennials to get and do their research you, and the look millennials up some of these ruining guys. everything. I'm telling you. All right, well, this was fun. We're going to talk the defensive <laughs> list next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Ron Washett, Nate Klaus. And we just had a spirited debate about the all-RSS team for offense as there are a lot of interesting votes. And, um, you know, defense, though, particularly the defensive line, Robin, I mean, there were so many good players. Um, and, and you had to narrow it down to three votes you were allowed. We, we had to put ten guys down, and that was hard. And then you could only vote for three. And I think the consensus, Robin, um, was maybe the defensive line was as hard for any of our users um, as any of the votes they had to make throughout this series. Yeah, there were multiple people that mentioned just that. That uh, I mean, I'll say for me, you know, and us narrowing down the, the just the ballot down to ten people because that's the max that uh, our poll will allow. That was difficult in itself because we're leaving off, you know, all conference, you know, type players and guys that played the NFL uh, that don't even get to be chosen. And so, I mean, if it was defensive line was far and away the most contested and debated um, positions, uh, even if some guys, you know, ran away with it, uh, you know, there were some other guys that hardly got any votes that you could make extremely hard cases uh, that should have been deserving of getting more, at least some more votes on that. Well, break it down. Let's start with defensive tackle. Um, who were the names up for it and who were the three that won? Well, obviously, as no one would, you know, be surprised about, it was Adamican Sue. Um, in fact, he registered the most votes um, of any player uh, on this entire series with, you know, 1,335 votes. Uh, and so, I mean, clearly, people still remember uh, fondly what he was able to do for this program and obviously still doing very well in the NFL. Uh, and he beat out a guy named Rich Glover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he ended up getting, you know, 1,000 votes. Uh, and also so, an outlet trophy. Yeah, there. I mean, <laughs> to say Rich Glover is number two, uh, that's a pretty hefty competition. But uh, the real debate uh, on this 
came in with that number three spot again. Um, you know, the guy that won it uh, was Jason Peter. Um, he got 494 vote, 95 votes, um, just over 13% of the total votes. And there were a lot of people that were upset about that. In fact, you know, some people said his older brother, Christian, uh, was probably more deserving of doing that. And then, you know, you look down the list of guys that didn't make it. Larry Jacobson, Mike Foltz, uh, Wayne Menlin. By Dan- the way, Larry Jacobson also won an Outland Trophy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Danny Noonan, John Perella, Jim Scow. Uh, and so, I mean, the, it, it was definitely a heated uh, debate there. Of You know, I think it was pretty clear, obviously, who your top two guys were. Um, but that third spot definitely sparked some arguments. Yeah, I mean, uh, on it, it kind of teeters with like who's the most popular kid in class and right. maybe who's like sometimes the smartest guy doesn't get there. I mean, sometimes you just don't get the recognition for whatever reason because it becomes more of a popularity contest or an era deal versus maybe who the best guy is. And yeah, no one's going to argue. Jason Peter was an All-American. He was a first-round draft pick. Number 14 overall. But yeah, Larry Jacobson wins at Outland. I mean, it's hard to, to, to deny that. I mean, he was the best player of his era to win that Outland trophy, and then his teammate wins it the next year in Rich Glover. Um, and they were on the same defensive line together, coached by Monty Kiffin. I mean, it's I mean, that is very impressive. Um, and you got a, a lot of other guys with, with very impressive backgrounds as well. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, those are the guys that made the list. Let's go over some of the names that, you know, were uh, nominated that didn't make the final 10. Walt Barnes, Malik Collins, Terry Keneally, Jared Crick, Vincent Valentine, Kenny Walker, Steve Warren. I mean, those are guys that didn't even make our final 10 that you could probably make a, a strong case that, you know, maybe not be in the top three, but should have been on the ballot. So, I mean, it was tough from the get-go just to narrow it down to 10 and even more so to decide who the top three were. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we break down our all-RSS team on defense. And uh, we just talked defensive tackle. Let's talk defensive end. And and you talk about another loaded position um, you know, it, I, I think it was hard to just pick three yeah, because you could have picked about six. Yeah, and, and you know it was one of those deals where the top three kind of separated. Uh, obviously, Grant Wistrom ran away with it. Uh, Trev Alberts was number two, uh, but and not far behind was Neil Smith. But uh, I mean, <laughs> you look at the names that didn't make it. You know, I mean, Broderick Thomas, uh, Adam Carricker, a, a guy named J- Guy Chamberlain, <laughs> Will, Will ha- Willie Harper, Tony Jeter, Mike Rucker, Jared Tomich, uh, and you know those were just the ten that made the list. I mean. Uh, you, it, it was really fun to just kind of go and watch people debate this back and forth. And, um, you know, you really saw people that, uh, you know, if you grew up in an era where, you know, you really got to watch some of these older guys play, um, you had a little bit more strong feeling than, you know, some of the younger people that, you know, were, were maybe just a little young pups when Grant Wistrom was terrorizing people. Yeah, there's just so many loaded positions. And, you know, you think about some of the other positions at Nebraska, like corner. I mean, they didn't really start offering corners until like the early yeah. 90s um, when that became a different position in their defense. So that position, you know, it's all kind of new era guys. Yeah, basically 80s and up. I mean, um, outside of guys like Pat Fisher, but. Not, not even 80s and up, 90s and up. I mean, yeah. Charlie McBride told me when I wrote my book that they didn't start offering corners until they made the switch to the 4-3. In the 5-2, they sat in a soft shell, and they could say, we could stick a kid out there from Holdridge in a soft shell zone, and we could win 10 games a year. Um, but then when we played Miami, and that guy had to go against Michael Irving, it was a different story. Yeah. Uh, but the 4-3, they actually started to offer corners, and that changed the defense forever 
when they could lock guys up on islands and, and, and rush the ends like they be, they, they started to do, um, which changed college football when Nebraska went to the 4-3. Yeah, safety was kind of the same deal, too. I mean, a lot of you know newer names on there. Um, and, you know, it's it, it's it's a difference, you know, much different so than, you know, on the defensive lines where you got guys that were playing back in, you know, back in the – Allen Trophy winners. Exactly. Yep. And so, I mean, it was you, – you're judging, you know, your resumes a little bit differently because, I mean, the, the, quite frankly, there's a lot of guys that just aren't as decorated. Uh, but, you know, people that watch Nebraska play and watch them, um, you know, d- during their primes, you know, remember, you know, how good they were. And so that's – Again, it was kind of the point of this whole deal, which is just you know spark some debate and get people talking, get guys fired up in July. It's exactly. always fun to get people exactly. fired up about football in July, and and we are getting closer and closer to the start of things as Nebraska will have Fan Day. Uh, I believe it's a Saturday this year, July 29th, and the opening practice will be Sunday, July 30th. So uh, we're getting there. We're getting closer. Uh, Big Ten Media Days this year will also fall. Uh, j- just about a week before the start of fall camp. So it, it is edging and edging closer and closer as we are about three weeks away from Big Ten Media Days in Chicago. Um, I know you can't wait, but we'll be there soon enough, <laughs> and summer will be over as Huskers will have a five-week fall camp this year. So uh, lots to talk about from now until then. But when we come back, we're going to bring in Nate Klaus. And we're going to give you the latest on the world of Husker recruiting, kind of a state of the class, where things are at on offense, what their numbers, and where things are at on defense. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus says, we're kind of at, I don't want to call it a break, Nate, but I, hope, I like to think it's a break in recruiting right now for Nebraska as um, it is. Explain this. It's it's basically a dead period in July that allows coaches to go on vacation. Yeah, more or less. Uh, look, basically a two-week dead period where it's uh, the end of June camps and the, you know, the 4th of July holiday. And, and you know, there's about a two-week period where – there's no recruiting that can take place on campus. So it's go to your timeshare time in Florida. Yeah. Pretty much every coach in college football, a lot of them have timeshares out there. If you went out to like those areas where they go, you'd run into like head coaches and guys on their vacations. Yep. And that's what that's what we're doing. We're taking our vacation this time of year too. We're not coaches, but we pretty much have to like live on their schedule. Yeah, they're, uh, absolutely. Things are things are. This is the kind of the slow point of the year, and it just so happens to coincide with basically the half point in this year's recruiting cycle. So this is kind of the the half point leading up to the the December and and obviously the the traditional February signing day. All right. Well, we're gonna do what we're gonna do here, Nate. Since we're kind of at a break, state of the board, kind of talk about each position, where things stand. Uh, well documented. Uh, you know, it's well well broken down right now. Nebraska is not going to take a quarterback. I mean, we 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 know at this point, um, the Huskers are not going to take one. What would change that? I think the only thing that would change that is is for there to be a big time target that they obviously really really covet that would either become available all of a sudden on the market, um, and 
you know, that would maybe re have them rethink whether or not they're going to take a quarterback in this in this cycle. You know, maybe one good example of that most recently would be five star quarterback Matt Corral out of uh, California that uh, that just recently decommitted from USC. I think that uh, you know Nebraska, you have to do your due diligence when there's a guy like that de- that decommits and it's all of a sudden on the market. You have to check in with them, see what happened, why there was a decommitment, see if there is any interest there, and and then go from there. And and there has been some communication there, but I don't really see things progressing too far. Uh, between Corral and Nebraska beyond that. I think that for the most part, they are dead set on not taking a quarterback in this 2018 cycle. We know that because last week they picked up uh, a walk-on commitment from Bart Harris out of Missouri, and they, they told him that, hey, look, we're not taking a quarterback in this 2018 class, and so you have the opportunity to walk on and really be the only quarterback that we bring in for this year uh, that will be on the roster. So, uh, And, of course, they're basically all in on Max Duggan, the 2019 quarterback out of Council Bluffs now. So um, I really do not see anything happening uh, for this 2018 class at the quarterback position unless there is a late decommitment from a guy that they targeted earlier on in this in this cycle. Well, and running back, um, Nate, kind of the same thing. I mean, yeah, they take T.J. Pledger. Who wouldn't take T.J. Pledger? But if it's not a caliber guy like that, uh, high caliber guy, they're, they're pretty much they've made it known. And Mike Riley told us that um, on the satellite camp tour as well. And we talked about this several shows ago that um, running back, you know, and I think this kind of goes a lot of Husker fans have their opinions about this, but you know, people would like to see them take a running back, but they're just not going to take anybody at that spot either. Yeah. They're not going to take a guy to take a guy, you know, this is a smaller class. And so you have to kind of prioritize where your needs are at in this class. And I think they like what they have on the roster. Um, and, and you have to also include not just the scholarships guys that they have on the roster, but there's a couple walk-ons that they feel very confident with, you know, with a Wyatt Mazur or an Austin Rose, you know, those are two guys. They're depth guys. Yeah, they're depth guys. So um, they're not scrambling to add another body there unless he is, a, a, you know, a difference maker, like a TJ Pledger type. You know, he's TJ Pledger would be a guy that, and this is a term that gets tossed around an awful lot, that you, you make room for no matter what. You, you, he's a take no matter what. So um, I don't think that they're, at this point in time, it does not look like they're planning on taking a running back unless it is TJ Pledger. All right, let's move on on to receiver uh, Nebraska wants to take four they've got two um, pretty good chance we think that Cameron Brown could be back in as well eventually when it's all said and done based on kind of what we saw and heard out of Friday Night Lights um, kind of what's your take on what they have at receiver um, in a nutshell and, and kind of who do you think they really if Cameron Brown is indeed back in who's going to be that fourth guy well, yeah, and that's, that's where it gets kind of interesting because they have Joshua Moore, they have Manny Allen, uh, both four-star wide receivers, both two of the top wideouts in the entire country. So, um, And Cameron Brown, like you said, was a, a previous commit, reopened things, um, but definitely seems, you know, following Friday Night Lights camp and the Big Red weekend a week ago, it seems like Nebraska may be all of a sudden the leader again to, to get him back in the boat at some point in time. So, so you would think he's back if you had to project yeah if I had to project right now my my prediction would be that Cameron Brown at some point in time uh, rejoins this class and we'll see if that happens or not but uh, definitely 
you know, it goes without saying that he's still obviously very interested in Nebraska, and I think Nebraska is still very interested in him. So, um, so really, if, if you if you kind of earmark him as as a potential guy to take a spot in that wide receiver class, that leaves you with one more spot uh, to kind of swing for the fences. And and there's some guys that are out there that uh, that are uncommitted, like a like a four star wideout Tommy Bush out of Texas. Um, you know, you've got uh, uh, you know a handful of guys like Isaiah Crocker, who's a four-star wideout out of Sacramento, California, uh, that's still on the table. You know, he's he's kind of basically down to Oregon, Oregon State, and Nebraska. He said that he's going to be taking an official visit to Nebraska in the fall. Caleb Chapman is a four-star wideout out of Texas that they offered following their Texas A&M satellite camp. Um, you know, you've got a player like Kobe Smith, who is uh, out of Gardena Sarah High School that was supposed to be at Friday Night Lights camp, but was unable to make it, but has told me that he plans on taking an official visit to Nebraska. Um, you know, and then, like I mentioned, guys to swing for the fence for. So that includes uh, a Jalen Hall out of Long Beach Poly, who's a five-star wide receiver, was former teammates with Joseph Lewis at Los Angeles Hawkins High School. Obviously, there are some connections there between, um, you know, obviously between Jalen Hall and Nebraska and, and some coaches that are, you know, with or I guess connected to Jalen Hall in some fashion or another. And a couple of committed guys that like a Brian, uh, Brian Hightower or a Mark Pope, um, you know, that are committed to Miami that Nebraska is also interested in. All right. And we know at tight end, they have Cameron Jurgens are done at that position. Offensive line, Will Farniak in the boat. Do they want to take just one more or is it two more on the O-line, Nate? Well, I think one more for sure, and that's an offensive tackle. And I think uh, Will Craig is a four-star uh, offensive tackle out of California that they're interested in. Uh, but but keep in mind that there there are a couple of junior college targets that Nebraska has offered and, and would definitely like to add in the class, too. I think the most obvious one would be Badera Treor who is a four-star offensive tackle, 6'8", 315-pound kid out of uh, Juco in New York. Um, I think that uh, they would definitely like to add him. Uh, And then a more recent offer, Cade Beresford, who is a a player out of uh, Washington, big 6'7", 260-pound kid uh, that actually camped at Nebraska's big man camp and Friday Night Lights camp. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and and they w- they have since extended an offer to him, and I think that uh, they see him as as being a kid with a lot of potential, a lot of upside to uh, to obviously play offensive tackle at Nebraska. All right, um, lots to follow on the offense as Nebraska trying to put that final board together as they look at where they're at. When we come back, we're going to switch over to defense as with Bob Diaco now in charge of the defense. Um, there's some different things they've been trying to do, and we'll get an update on kind of where their board is at on defense to close this show. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, or holiday week edition, as we hope you all had a happy 4th of July as we're getting closer and closer to the start of fall camp, but we also are in that dead period of recruiting where the coaches are on kind of a two-week hiatus, which means things slow down because they can't host prospects on campus. Uh, we're giving you kind of an update of where things are at with the Huskers in recruiting. Uh, now on defense, as you, you look at where Nebraska's uh, defensive board is right now uh, with Bob Diaco, Nate, um, it's been really interesting just to kind of follow 
um, the defensive line front seven stuff because it really has been totally new um, as we've kind of watched this play out over the course of the year. Yeah, they've got a specific type of player that they're looking for at each position in that front seven. And I think that Bob Diaco's fingerprints are over all over each and every offer that they've extended there. They've been very selective uh, with the type of offers that they've made. You know, the defensive ends, they, they're looking for guys who are 6'5 and, and about 250 or, or more. Um, you know, the outside linebacker position is another spot where they're looking for guys that are no smaller than 6'3", 230 pounds at those outside linebacker positions. And um, just being very, very selective. And, and with this being a smaller class, too, I, I think that they've they've kind of had to turn away, you know, some, some really good prospects, especially in the interior defensive line um, with the early commitment from Masary Maypew. You know, they, they kind of had to, um, you know, move away from some some interior defensive linemen that uh, that were very interested in Nebraska, but there's just simply not enough room for those guys. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show as we talk defensive board on where Nebraska's at here, kind of at the midway point or the, the break, the calm before the storm, as, as you would want to call it in recruiting. Let's talk about that defensive line and where the Huskers are at with this 3-4 um, Particularly two commits right now, Mastery Maypu, Tate, uh, Tate Wildeman out of Colorado. Um, where do you see Nebraska going next? How many more numbers can they add? Well, I think they're done at the defensive tackle spot with Maypew. Um, and then at defensive end, with Wildeman on the board, I think there's one spot left for their defensive end in this class. And they, it's, they've seemingly narrowed it down to two, maybe three guys. And, and that's Daniel Carson, the three-star out of Missouri that visited for Friday Night Lights Camp and Big Red Weekend a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then Judge Culpepper, who was here for the spring game, uh, who was supposed to make it back for the most recent Friday Night Lights Camp and Big Red weekend but uh apparently had an emergency his brother had an emergency or something came up to where he was unable to make it but it did tell us that he's going to be making it back in july uh, later on this month uh, for an unofficial visit once again uh, with his entire family because uh, his entire family wasn't able to come for the spring game because his dad was actually a com- you know a, com- a contestant on uh, uh, Survivor the I think it was a CBS show the Survivor his dad was um, on that show once again for I think the second time so uh, he's planning on on bringing the whole family back and and it looks like those are the top two guys and 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 they have got a good shot at landing one of of either. One of those two. <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's, yeah. a, that's an interesting nug. I'm, that's a John Perella kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he likes tough guys, um, and and that's what Judge Culpepper is. You know, his father actually played at Florida, um, and is apparently you know he played for the Tampa Tampa Bucks for a long time, and, and is apparently um, an attorney in the Tampa area. And I think Judge Culpepper is kind of cut out of the same mold. He he's a big tough guy, big athlete, six five, two hundred and sixty pound kid that could play tight end or defensive end. Even plays a little bit of quarterback for his high school football team at Tampa Plant, which is usually, you know, traditionally one of the top teams in the entire state of Florida. So uh, he'd, he'd definitely be a good pickup there and, and would fit exactly what Diaco wants at that defensive end position. Well, and speaking about Bob Diaco's defense, linebacker, a very unique position because of what they ask those outside guys to do and the inside guys. And Nebraska, as of now, Nate, uh, not planning on taking an inside linebacker Outside linebacker is more the need. 
Yeah, outside linebacker is definitely the need, especially that boundary outside linebacker. You know, they're going to take one guy at the linebacker position across the board, and, and it, it, it will be, um, you know, for that boundary outside linebacker spot, which they really don't have, I don't believe, um, you know, the perfect fit for what Diaco is wanting at that spot. And uh, they want a guy, like I mentioned earlier, that is at least 6'3", 230 pounds, is a, a pass rusher when he puts his hand in the ground coming off the edge, and uh, and also a good enough athlete to, to cover tight ends and wide receivers in space and, and play the run in space. So um, they're looking for a pretty specific type of player there. Uh, obviously, Micah Parsons is a five-star prospect that they would love to get and was here for Friday Night Lights couple weeks ago and, and just had an unreal performance. Jalen Redman out of out of uh, Oklahoma has been to Nebraska twice now and I think that he's probably number two on their board. Um, they would definitely like to add him. He's 6'3", 230, 240 pound kid that, that is a tremendous pass rusher but also again athletic enough to operate in space. And then a handful of other guys like uh, Cameron Latu, Elijah Wade, Bo Calvert who's actually committed to USC but has said that he will take an official visit to Nebraska in the fall. Uh, David Alston out of uh, Minnesota has taken an unofficial and will probably be back for an official. So, uh, And there's a couple others, too, that I think they've kind of narrowed their focus on. But uh, most definitely, right now, it seems like Micah Parsons and Jalen Redman are, are probably the two that Nebraska is trending with the most at this point. Well, it's interesting, Nate, as we look at this defensive board, though, they're only going to take four guys probably on the front seven but then you look at the back four in the secondary, whole nother story. Yeah, a whole nother story. I mean, they, you've got three commitments right now from three four-star rated defensive backs, and that's Buki Radley-Hiles, uh, who's going to play corner or nickel, uh, Chase Williams, who is going to be um, that, that kind of that field, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the boundary uh, cornerback, and then Mario Goodrich, who could play corner or safety, um, you know, the, the four-star athlete out of Kansas City, who's a pretty versatile guy uh, that they've got in this class so far so and probably room to take two more uh, defensive backs in this class and I think the most likely guy right now to join would be Christian Tut who was at Friday Night Lights camp a couple weeks ago um, and uh, absolutely loved his visit is and told us that he's going to be coming back again in late July with his entire family even his grandma is going to be coming up so you know to have a four-star from Georgia visit twice within about you know four usually a good sign yeah within about four or five weeks is usually a good sign especially when he's even bringing his grandma up for the second visit so uh, I think that things are sitting pretty well right there uh, for Nebraska. And then for that last spot, you know, I think at this point you'd probably have to point to Houston Griffith as a guy that they've really made up a lot of ground with, especially after his visit for Friday Night Lights Camp and Big Red Weekend where he and his father came and spent the weekend in Lincoln. Um, obviously he's current teammates with um, – Bookie Radley Hiles and and you know former teammate with Joshua Moore who was at IMG Academy last semester. Uh, TJ Pledger is another guy who's considering Nebraska that he's teammates with. So there's some connections there. 
And I think Nebraska is definitely trending in the right direction uh, with Houston Griffith. But uh, if they were, weren't able to get him, they're still sitting you know, pretty well with some very highly rated, highly coveted guys like a Asari Crosswell at a Long Beach Poly, who's a four-star DB. Um, you know, Isaac Taylor Stewart, who's one of the top corners in the entire country, has repeatedly told me that he's planning on taking an official visit to Nebraska. Uh, Talanoa Hufenga, who's one of the top athletes athletes in the country is the number one player out of Oregon who visited for the spring game whose older brother actually played for Mike Riley at Oregon State at one point in time um, who really likes Nebraska at this point uh, and then you know Brian Addison is another guy uh, another really versatile athlete 6'5 200 pound kid that could play wide receiver or safety Nebraska likes him as a safety um, comes from the same high school as several other targets that Nebraska is looking at there at Gardena Sarah High School in California. So, um, you know, there's still, you know, Dante Williams is doing some serious work there with the secondary and is in on a lot of guys to fill out those last two spots. Yeah, it's going to be a busy, busy year for Dante Williams, one that he's going to really kind of develop his reputation if it, it continues uh, to go the way we want. Well, that wraps it up here for this holiday week edition of the Husker Alliance show. Lots to follow. Make sure you're on the side as uh, we are edging closer and closer to Big Ten Media Days, the start of fall camp, but still plenty to follow here in the recruiting headlines as well. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 